Well, good morning. Oh, it's evening time. Oh, my gosh. I'm so disheveled with this time. Hello. My name is Naomi, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And um, before I get started, I want to invite my higher power into my speak tonight. God, I offer myself to Thee to build with me and do with me as Thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I might better do Thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Thy power, Thy love, and Thy way of life. May I do Thy will always. Amen. And that is the third step prayer in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book. So my my journey is not too different than anybody else's. I was a I, I was a compulsive eater my entire life. Um, I did all the way and pays. I I did all the um, didn't do the injections, but I did all the crazy diets that were out there, diet pills, amphetamines, you name it, I did it. I was even on one food plan that wasn't a it was a diet that it, you ate uh, 500 calories a day, and this was back in the 70s when um, liquid protein was something completely different than what we have today, and you literally only ate like 500 calories in a day, and that didn't work. I know I had an eating problem since I was a little girl. I always, you know, I could consume volumes of food and never be filled, and I didn't understand. I just thought, you know, that was that was normal. I remember when I was eight years old, I went to my family doctor, and he jotted down some foods not to eat. And, you know, I went home and I taped it to my wall, but it didn't mean anything. And and then, uh, and then as I got older, um, I got into the diet pills, and the diet pills worked for about a minute. Yes, I did release weight. I did. But I went off the diet pills, and, you know, <laughs> I... I picked up the food again, and that was just the story of my life, up and down, dieting, up and down, up and down, and um, in 07, I had the lap band surgery, and that worked for about a minute. The lap band surgery is like putting a belt around the top part of your stomach, and there's like a tube that goes down into like this round thing called a port that a doctor would inject a fluid to inflate this band around your stomach, making it smaller so you could consume less food. One of the visits to this GI doctor, um, he couldn't find my port. So what he did in the doctor's office, he cut my stomach open. And it was only maybe about two-inch incision. And um, to to find the port and make an injection in it, to make the band tighter around the top of my stomach. Then he sewed me back up. And I remember the days on that because it, was, it happened on a Wednesday. And that Friday night when I was changing, there was a red ring around that incision. And I called the office and they said, go to the emergency room right away, which I did. And they put me on um, very strong antibiotics. You know, this is all these things in the name of trying to lose weight. And God has released 120 pounds off my body that he is holding. And I do say God because, you know, if I say I claim it, then I'm going to find it again. The other thing that's been resonating in my life was dealing with life on life's terms. 
And because of this amazing OA program and my closeness to my higher power and working the steps diligently daily, uh, I, I have... I have sanity around the food. I have a peacefulness around the food. And life doesn't stop. Just in the years that I've been abstinent, which has been since July 25th of 2011, I came into program February 7th of 2011, continued to come to meetings and go buy my binge foods from February until July until I hit bottom. And hitting bottom literally was hitting bottom um because of the band i had i had lost 70 pounds but i am the real deal i am a compulsive overeater and i was able to gain back 35 pounds now after i gained only 4 pounds at a doctor's visit the doctor went ballistic on me so the idea of emotionally trying to face him of gaining 35 pounds would be impossible and so I my sister was going to take us down to Atlantic City, New Jersey, and I needed a larger size bathing suit. And I went into the dressing room, and I had you know those wraparound mirrors; they don't lie. And I hated what I saw. And unbeknownst to me, I sat down on the bench, and I sat down, and I, and I smashed my glasses. Now I I was driving, so thankfully I am farsighted, so I was okay to see to drive. But my sister and I was going out to dinner. And I, like a child, I had to sit next to her, and she had to tell me what was on the menu. I could see the pictures, but I couldn't read the words. And um, so finally, you know, um, finally I decided I had to get serious with my program, and I did. And I start working the steps, and I, I went, I went to my first when I went to my first OA meeting. I didn't understand. I didn't understand what you were telling me. I didn't understand why when I went in there were thin people in this room, why there wasn't a scale. And then they hand me a book about alcohol. Well, my drinking history was maybe two pina coladas a year. So, but as I got further on into reading this big book, I saw that all you had to do was just substitute the word alcohol and change it to compulsive overeating, and it described me to a T. One of my favorite readings, and this is something that I'm dealing with today, and I'm going to read it to you. It's the acceptance prayer on page 417. It says, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I'm disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake until I can accept my alcoholism, or in my case, compulsive overeating. I could not stay sober unless I could accept life completely on life's terms. I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. And further down it says, an acceptance has taught me that there is a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. That is, we are all children of God, and we each have a right to be here. 
when I complain about me or about you. I'm complaining about God's handiwork. I'm ashamed that I know better than God. The reason I chose to read this tonight is because in these past years that I've been abstinent, my husband um, has been in numerous car accidents. He collapsed at work. He's had to have major surgeries. We've had three grandchildren born. Um, My dearest, beloved, youngest brother died suddenly February, or this coming January will be two years, to the point where I spoke to him January 26th, January 23rd of 2018, and January 26th he was dead. And it just goes on and on. I lost a job, I got a job. I I lost a job, and I got a job, and I got a new car. Well, it's not a, it's a new car for me. It's a 20-year-old Honda, but it gets me back and forth. And now I'm facing something that's um, quite challenging to me. I recently got a new job. I am a teacher, a four- and five-year-old, and I started February of this year. And, of course, March 13th, we closed down because of the the virus. We were on furloughed until September. We opened up in September, and it was wonderful. It's been wonderful. I love it. I love teaching. Children are my life. They've always been my life. And Monday night, during my face-to-face Zoom meeting, I'm reading my text because I was expecting something from my daughter, to find out that one of my coworkers tested positive for COVID and the school was closed down. And I'm in quarantine. And it's a new world for me because, you see, I can't go out. I am, I am sequestered into my home. And... I was to have the family, my daughters and their children, to my home for Thanksgiving. And um, I had to deliver the food over to my daughter and then come right back home. And my family's in town. My one daughter and her daughter, my granddaughter, they live outside Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I can't see them. I can't go over there. My husband was okay. He went over. And I am home, and it's a different kind of world. I can't even go out for one of my God walks because I have to stay home. And I must say that during all these things, the food never entered into it. I drew closer to my higher power because that's where I get my strength from. And what I noticed this morning, I guess it was yesterday morning, I'm kind of confused with the days, but... Yesterday morning I woke up, and it was like, wow, the day before that was Thanksgiving, and I did not wake up the Friday after comatose from all the carbs, from all the food, from all the volume, which I have my entire life. And it's this program. And all along I've been saying, and it's very, very true, that Thanksgiving or Christmas or any of the holidays, it's just another day. Okay, yes, I'm thankful. Um, I'm very thankful, very grateful that I have my life. And food-wise, it's no different. It's absolutely no different. And this is how I live my life. 
because of this amazing program. I follow the the teachings of the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book. I work the steps every day. In fact, right now I'm getting ready to redo the steps with another sponsor out of the OA 12 and 12, going deeper into my program and deeper into working the steps because that is my recovery. And I am the real deal. I mean, <laughs> I worked I worked for a literacy council, and I was a coordinator, the math coordinator. And if I was with um, adults, for adults and of adult students and tutors, and if I was not working with a student, I would sit there with a math book in front of me, and this is before program, of course, and I'm, you know, for everybody to walk past, it looked like I was doing my job and just, you know, refreshing these math problems and such. The truth of the matter was my brain was going back and forth. Am I going to leave after work? Because I would never eat dinner. I would go from one job to this other job on Wednesday nights. And I, for some reason, I got it in my head not to eat dinner. And so I would sit there the entire evening and like a ping pong game was going back and forth in my head what I was to get at this convenience store. And then when the class was over, I proceeded to go to the convenience store and buy a bag full of stuff because the entitlement was so great. I had just worked from 7.30 in the morning. It was almost 9 o'clock at night, and I was entitled to this binge, and I would, you know, and it was just crazy. It was just an entitlement. It was a selfishness, and I would do that every Wednesday night. And it just, you know, like you, you can write your own story as far as what to do with food. I'm sure it wouldn't be any, any different than what I did because compulsive overeaters are compulsive overeaters regardless of who you are, your age, any anything. We're all the same because we're driven by the obsession of the mind and then the allergy of the body. And the obsession of the mind I'll show you how it worked. I can remember sitting here and I, when I was in the food. I never deprived myself of a dinner. And I would be sitting and watching TV, and the thought, the thought would enter my mind what was in the refrigerator. My husband would be in another room watching TV, and I'd say to him, oh, I'm going to go get myself a glass of water. Wrong. I would go downstairs and make myself some kind of huge binge food because... The thought entered my mind, and that's where the problem lies, in my mind. And then I would eat the food, and it would trigger the allergy. And the allergy of the body, when that was triggered, there was no, there was no turning back. I, I couldn't understand the volume of food that I would eat. And I wouldn't get filled because I was eating all the wrong food. And I didn't know. I did not know what I did not know. And because of this OA program, and I really did have, if you're familiar with the big book, if I speak of Ebby Thatcher, this was the man that went to Bill Wilson and told him about the Oxford group and told him about these steps that they were, not the steps, the Oxford group and, and the tenants from the Oxford group, which was a group, and they dealt with people that had different kinds of addictions. This was back, like, in the 30s, 1930s. And 
a woman, a neighbor of mine came into my home and she asked to borrow a pie dish and I said, you look fabulous. How, you know, how did you lose all this weight? She said, Alcoholics Anonymous. Gentle reminder. Thank you, dear. That was that was how my journey started. I I went online and I found a meeting close by. And when I went to my first OA meeting and I sat there and it was like, okay, and what are you talking about? And, you know, like I said earlier, no scale and the skinny people and what? But I can remember sitting in my car afterwards and I was thinking, where did I land? How did these people know what I did with food? Because I thought I was so special. I was the only one on the planet that did these crazy things that would that would make a a huge a huge sandwich after just eating like an hour or two before dinner. But I sat there and I thought, you know what? I want to go back. And I keep going back. And I still keep going back. And it's just it's just amazing. And I know this is God. This is God working through me because my husband collapsed at work one day. I'm telling you, this man never even got colds. And I was—I had my obstinate meal in my hand for lunch, and I got a call that he collapsed at work, and there was no one around to help me. And I put my lunch down, and I said, God, you're going to have to protect my stomach because I don't know when I'm going to eat again. And he is my constant companion. And I went over to the hospital, and they had it they couldn't do the surgery. At this one hospital, they had to take us to another hospital. And, you know, it was like, thank God, he, he was good. He was good. He came out of the surgery okay. And, you know, but I remember saying that if he would even live or die, I trusted God that he would take care of me. And this is what I do. I trust and I surrender because only God can do for me what I absolutely cannot do for myself. And I, at one point in my job situation, I had uh, I had my own daycare business in my home for 25 years. And I closed down, and then the grandchildren came, and I watched them. And then uh, recently I was working in a daycare center that just wasn't working out. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll have children come back into my home again. I could take one or two children, and that would be good. And, you know, it's not like back in the day that you could advertise in a local classified ad. You have to go on mom's groups in the local towns or on Facebook Marketplace. And I wasn't getting any families. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't surrender. I didn't ask God what will you have me do? What do you want me to do? It was all about I. And I said that, and within a week, an old friend of mine called me, and she said, have you gotten any families into your home yet? And I said, no. She said, how'd you like to be a teacher? And I said, I'd love it. That was the first go-off. Second go-off is, well, how am I going to get back and forth? It's only five minutes by car, and it would be an hour by public transportation. So I prayed for a car. And I woke up one morning, and I felt God was telling me about to call a certain woman that used to be in my daycare. And I called her, 
and I bought a car from her. And the car that I bought belonged to a young lady that I changed her diapers <laughs> in my daycare business. So it's a matter of trusting God and believing and surrendering. And that's what I do. And I do that every day. Earlier I heard about writing. And I do my writing every day faithfully. I write a God letter, thanking him for everything. And I have another another notebook that I write prayer requests in. And I have to. I have to start my day thanking God for my life because I'm doing things now I couldn't do years ago. And I'm just forever grateful. Now, I'm going to leave my phone number for text, please, and then we can go from there. I am a sponsor, and my phone number is 215-680-1957. I'm on East Coast, so it's Eastern Time. And um, I thank you all for allowing me to share. And and my the word that I would leave tonight, the topic would be acceptance. So thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Naomi, could you repeat your phone number, please? Yes, absolutely. It's 215-680-1957. Thank you. Thank you.